Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Pro black me. <laughs> I did not black you. I didn't see you. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to Writer's House. Hope you're all safe and well. Today, we are going to give flowers to Harry Kane. Only one bunch of flowers. Uh, after he came, Spurs' all-time leading goal scorer. We'll also talk about Jesse Marsh being fired by Leeds. Nathan Jones under pressure at Southampton and a disappointing weekend for Arsenal in the Barclays WSL. And my guests are Ryan Hahn and Flo Lloyd Hughes. How you doing, guys? Hi, yeah. You cool? What a day. Flo Black me. <laughs> Like you, I didn't see you. She doesn't like me anymore. She doesn't love me anymore. No, fake news. I was a bit worried you weren't going to like me after what? that text message that I woke up to on Sunday. So basically, I told it? I told him to watch The Last of Us, oh, and he said, he oh, said, "Is it scary?" He says, "It's scary." Let me tell the story. Let me tell the story because, like, right. he says, "Oh, we might talk about this at some stage." The Last of Us. Everybody knows. We all know in the house now. I'm not a horror film man, right? Mm. And so the thing is, Flo, I said, "Okay, let me download them," and on the way from Manchester. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll watch them on the way back from Manchester. I put the first one, the trailer, right, shows this guy, in, it's a zombie guy. I don't know what was coming out of his mouth. Grass. Oh yeah, that bit's, that bit's scary, I'm not going to lie. Oh, I haven't yeah, watched sorry. it, I'm I saw scared. That, so I didn't even get past the trailers. And I'm I said, sorry. and I sent I'm a message sorry. saying, got... "Are you fucking mad, bro? Sending me this? I can't watch that. I'll get nightmares, man." That's not going on the Friday pod, then. And I'm looking like when I got, even that bit when I came out the car because the guy drives off, and I was so scared just getting the key in the door. I'm so sorry. Uh, I didn't... Okay, I don't know if that's one for me either because I get scared easily. Honestly, so, don't watch it, Flo, sure because that. I saw it. Don't, no, no, don't. don't watch it. <laughs> I, I basically I woke up and I had a message from him saying just in the car from Manchester started watching it and I'm scared not watching <laughs> <laughs> Ryan the thing is the problem I had I'm was, so I sorry when I'm we so was younger sorry. right yeah. my, my scare of horror films especially Christopher Lee as, as, as Dracula I used to have to hide because I wouldn't go to bed because I'd be in the room on my own so I'd have to stay in there and watch Hammer House of Horror Christopher Lee um, as, um, as, as Dracula and my brothers, used, so I used to have a pillow over my face and I used, then I used to say to him, is it okay now? And then I, you could get up and then you watch. And then I remember one time 
I said, is it okay now? My brother Morris said, yeah, it's okay. And I came up and Christopher Lee was just about to take a bite out of the lady's oh, neck. No. <laughs> and you remember right, his eyes, his eyes was bloodshot yeah. red. The fangs yeah. were really long. And I, honestly, I screamed. And I still think of it now. So it's like... I basically did that. I was like, it's going to be fine. Oh my God, can I tell you, can I tell you what else just quickly? Before, remember the film Twilight, yeah? yeah? I don't like that film neither. What, the vampire, like, teenage angsty yeah, film? right, yeah. So there was a bit in it, right, where flicking through on, on maybe, I don't know whether it was Netflix, wherever I was watching it, right, and this is how unlucky I am, because I'm watching it and I'm thinking, <laughs> well, it's in the day, so it's fine, there's nothing going to happen, it's a vampire film, but it's in the day, so... Vampires can't hurt you, it's 12pm. Right. But, like, what, <laughs> what, what happened was, is that they were all in a room, and it was like a vampire meeting, and it was a dark room. And then what happens is, <laughs> right, it was a vampire meeting. And then it was like people were having a tour outside. But what it turned into, hang on, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you. I'm so confused. What it turned into in this scene, what I watched, was them taking them around this place where it's a, a tour. Then they go into the room. And obviously, they vampire them. You just hear them screaming and thing, and the door just shuts. And they're just going in. It's like they brought their lunch to them. It was like this, I, I, this isn't loose women. What the hell am I watching? This is like this is the kind of thing that stays with me. So that stays with me. Um, the bit with Kill Bill when she she gets buried alive in the coffin and she has to punch out with her f hand and that that stays yeah. with me. Christopher Lee, obviously, and and now and now that what I saw of The Last of Us, <laughs> things stay with me. <laughs> I can't watch serial killer films, horror films, gory films. Can't watch things like Evil Dead. Can't watch vampires. Not too many films where there's surprise. You know that. Did <laughs> <laughs> it again? Surprise. You know you're watching and then <laughs> because I remember when we was younger, my mum. We always watching it with my mum. Yeah, I'm I bad like that. My mum with watching. She she she's narrating the film while it's going. Don't go in there. No. Don't go in there. Oh Lord of mercy, Jesus Christ, Lord of. That's the kind of thing. So I'm watching films on edge. All yeah. the time. <laughs> but I'm the kind of person that gets scared so easily that I, someone could be walking towards me and then they go, boo, and it makes me jump. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, yeah. how on edge I am. I'm so on edge. I'm so <laughs> on edge. Well, I'm sorry, for saying, I'm sorry for saying you should watch yeah. The Last of Us. I, I deeply... Thank you very much. Am. Don't ever, ever um, say, to, um, you know, uh, recommend anything horror-y. I don't like horror films. All right. And I don't right. like films where people are, make me feel embarrassed, where they're embarrassing themselves on the television. And I, I don't like watching <laughs> stuff like that. Good to know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you know what's really scary? The Arsenal might win the league by... Just by default. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's something? About? You know what? I don't care what anyone says. You know, whatever's happening with City. And this, I don't know, it's spilling over to the pitch. There's, there's not... It's, there's dissension in the camp. We, we, we've got to say there's something not quite right with City at the moment. But then what, what's going on upstairs? You know, it's, I can't wait to see how this one pans out, you know, because yeah. like... For those, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking yeah. about this Man City yeah. ruling that they've... What, what have they done? Is that over a hundred... A hundred... 2009. Oh my allegations. God. Allegations. Allegations. Have broken, allegations. Yeah, massive financial breaking, breaking the rules. In the Premier League, as part of this four-year investigation, it broke while we were doing audio, and, and like people <laughs> talking about, you know, people sending messages saying like, 
Um, titles have to be given up. But Juventus, look what's happened with Juventus. Oh, I don't know, man. It's, I mean, it's pretty. It is pretty wild. It's deep, man. It's this is serious stuff, right? Right. This is very serious business. It's so serious. But Musa and I said on Stadio that it's one of those where there's not really a huge amount that you can talk about from the jump, apart from just the speculation, because a lot of it was kind of stuff that you kind of that that, that had come out. That had come yeah. out in the UA for stuff. So exactly. a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be surprised. But I think. I had certainly seen lots of coverage until this point that had been about the fact that the Premier League opened this investigation four years ago mm. and it hadn't led anywhere. And I think people had given up thinking that there was essentially nothing to find. Maybe that or, was a plan. You know, where it was going. And then suddenly, bam, yeah. Monday, 10 a.m., it drops. After a and loss. They always wait for yeah. when the football podcasts are kind of about done. And then literally, like, though, news. literally, we came out of counter press and I was like, damn. Wow, wow, that's a, that's a lot of bullet wow. points. Right yeah, there. I think it's. I think. I think the the actual judgment or what happens in the in the final process will be super interesting. Yeah, it this is only the like, start. Can, and yeah, and yeah. what what kind of um, what kind of like punishments can be dished out though? Is are we talking, you know, because I know it's speculation and it's all allegedly, but are we talking like taking away titles and? Points deducted this year. There's a there's a lot points deductions. Uh, they could be relegated there's a lot there's a lot of what ifs and also because we haven't had anything like this in in English football there's not really much precedent yet to to base it off but I was certainly thinking I don't know if you guys remember uh, the scandal in Saracens English rugby a few years ago Mm. where they got relegated Mm. fine loads lost loads of players I think lost some titles too but we haven't seen a lot of it obviously Rangers in in Scotland Mm. suffered yes after financial uh, you know that was more a bankruptcy thing, Issues, though, wasn't it? But yeah, Listen, if it's, people are guilty, if people are guilty, and and cooks have been booked, I say, and books have been cooked, <laughs> cooks have been cooked, and cooks have oh been my booked, God. <laughs> and books have been cooked, then uh, they should come down with the full full weight of punishment, full weight. It's funny because I was with Sean today because we was doing um obviously we was previewing for the Premier League, the um the the, the Arsenal Arsenal City game. And uh, we was talking about stuff. <laughs> I said, you know what? Good luck to you and everything. But like, like your nan used to say, what is done in the dark will come to the light. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. We've got to talk about Harry Kane and his magnificent achievement. And we're talking about breaking the record of one of the greatest ever English strikers, you know, at Tottenham 266. Maybe two more to add. The community shield. I know that they put my community shield in my tally, so 
he probably has to score another couple of goals. But um, you have to think from where Harry started from and how everybody called him a one-season wonder. You see celebrations when I was singing to him when he walked in. He's just a one-season wonder. <laughs> I love the okay, fact. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember any of this one-season no, wonder you chat. Is no. that just me? But I do not remember any of it. When he came for the Europa League, came on, scored some goals. I think it was Saldado that was there. It was Saldado and that was, he's trying to break through with Saldado and stuff like that. And, and, and then he came on like Tim Sherwood, you know, Tim Sherwood gave him his, his debut and then he started scoring and obviously it started to go well. And the next season he scored, he scored a few goals and people were saying, yeah, well, he's just got one season wonder. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a, um, there's that Michael Jordan, like picture comes up where he says, and I think that's where he, he took it personally. <laughs> <laughs> he took it personally because he ain't stopped scoring uh, it is a pretty incredible record because I know a load of Spurs fans never thought that Jimmy Greaves' record of was it 266, 266 would be broken yeah. and um, I really liked what you guys did on Match of the Day by highlighting the the stuff for the top flight from the Second World War mm. as opposed to because obviously he's he's the fastest player to reach 200 Premier League goals oh, really? yeah and only Rooney and Shearer have got more Premier League goals than Harry Kane. But then if you stretch it back to Second World War to now and just the, the English top flight, mm. Jimmy Greaves is just he's kill- miles he's out. He's killing in everyone, bro. In, man, he was doing Messi-Ronaldo kind of scoring. And it's, he was, remember, he was the, the first footballer's name that I heard properly continually. Obviously, Pele, when I was seven and that, was, was, was at a World Cup. But my teacher, Mr. Pigden, that's all he spoke about. All he spoke about was Jimmy Greaves. And Jimmy Greaves, and he passes it into the net. Look, the side net. And it's beautiful when it goes in the side net and the goalkeeper can't move. Beautiful goal. Some of the time, he said, some of the times the ball didn't even touch the back of the net. <laughs> you know? There was, well, you talked about that when we did the, because Jimmy Greaves was the first ever uh, right yeah. house wall of fame. Wall of fame, man. Jimmy Greaves. And to break that record and that, le- that level of goal scoring, you know, it's... It's phenomenal. I, I, I mean, I'm really happy that he got to do it at home mm. because it felt like that Jimmy Greaves record was never going to get mm. close. Like no one was going to get close to it. Yeah, but it it's kind of must be. Yeah. Is anyone going to get close to Harry's now? For well, Spurs? it's up to Harry to, to really put it out there for Spurs because what, what's happening now with every goal that Harry scores is a history-making goal. It's history because yeah. it's, it's on its own. He's just, he's just putting it out there. I remember when Thierry broke it. I mean, Thierry spoke. I said, Thierry, every goal from now on for Arsenal is a history-making goal. Don't let no one do what you're doing here. Don't make sure you don't present this to somebody else because it's not it's not great. But I knew that 179 goals for a club like Arsenal for me it wasn't enough, and I only blame myself. I should have got over 200 goals for Arsenal. Too many suspensions, missed too many games through stupid suspensions. I should have. I would have easily gone past 200 goals for Arsenal. But I said to him, make sure you put it out of sight. Put it out mm. of sight. You know what I mean? It'd be interesting to see if anyone catches that record because that's, you have to go some to do that. But like, um, for me though, it's, it's the lead up. It's the, it's the, when you're getting closer and closer to the record, it's really strange because they asked me to down the Premier League show. And I said, it's really funny because it's one of the few times I remember back in my career where I wasn't thinking about the team. I was just thinking about scoring this goal and getting it done. I wasn't thinking about anything other than just scoring a goal. And it's not like, oh, that's really selfish. It's just that every single conversation, when you start to get, when you're closing in, closing in. And remember, when you're closing in, not when you get like a goal away, when you're closing in, it's all the conversation. So that's all you're thinking about. And then the leading into it to the next game, it's all you're thinking about. It's 
quite a selfish way to think, but I, I look back now and that's how I was thinking. I said, I just want to score this goal. I just want to get it done. You know what I mean? So um, it, must be, it must be good for him as well to get it done. It must be unbelievable to, for him to get it done. But I, when, when I was listening to a lot of the conversation before and after the result and, he, and even the record, the conversation moves on so quickly to his future instantly. Mm. Instantly, it's like, what does he do next? Yeah. And the, the the calls of United get louder and louder yeah. and louder. And today, uh, after we finished recording Counterpress, we stuck Sky Sports News on the big telly mm. for hours, right? And they had um, Jamie Redknapp on chatting about you know the record and Harry Kane's future, etc. And it feels like this United narrative is now almost like a given. Like that's definitely happening. It's funny because we've done the same thing, Flo, on the the Kelly Wright show because it's just a natural thing because you feel like that seems like the only move out there for me that he should be contemplating. Otherwise, just stay because there's a place for him there um, at his age. And I think that Tottenham would probably say, you know what? Thanks, man. The fans would anyway. Fans would. But like, if he's got serious ambitions of trying to win something, I cannot see it in the, few, in the, ne- in the coming years for Spurs as we speak. And that's just that's what, without an Arsenal out on. That's just seeing that. Because if you're looking at a goal scorer like that and they haven't been able to realise anything up to this point, I don't know who they're going to bring in now, which they should have done already. It's going to help him to, to, for them to come in, fit into a project, whatever the project's going to be, fit in and gel with other players and then Harry Kane's got to still score at the rate he's scoring at rather than go to Manchester United if that's on the table. I can't see how you, how you turn that down. I can't see it. Do you think that there's a kind of like a sense of legacy around it which meant that before now, I mean he obviously had the, the Man City link mm. which didn't And he wanted out. to go. He wanted to go. And I think if it, if it had gone then, your legacy as a, as a Spurs like great is mm. very very different to if you stay for a bit longer, become the all time goal scorer, and then leave. Mm. I mean, I think the thing that's really interesting with Harry Kane is that I think he's yeah Spurs legacy is secured now. Like it's not, it, you just can't, you can't fuck with that. Mm. Anyone who overtakes a great like Jimmy Greaves in the goal scoring yeah, done something record, you've just yeah, that's all you need. You've done stuff. So I feel like it's gonna it's gonna earn him a load of goodwill, whatever decision he makes in the future. But I think the thing that's really interesting is that he doesn't have a huge amount of destinations. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Man United is so blatantly obvious, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that he, you know, in, we would have said Bayern would have been perfect. Mm. But I doubt that at this, you know, he's got two young, he's got two kids, right? Mm. Has he, or has he got three? Yeah, two. Very settled in England. Like, it's a big culture shock going to, <laughs> to, going yeah, to Bavaria. Stage. Probably Barcelona aren't going to be a thing. Real Madrid. I mean, would you play for Real Madrid? Like, it doesn't seem the... Harry Kane doesn't seem like a Real Madrid player, does he? Harry Kane, I think Harry Kane is not only just um, a London, England bod, bod, but I think he's an England bod. I'd I'd Mm. think that if he was going to do that culture and learn a different different culture, different language, he he would have done that before. His ambition would have been to do that in and around 25 to 29, that kind of vibe, you know what I mean? Because now... You know what I mean? I think if Harry, Harry Kane breaking the record at Tottenham, doing everything he can, every season scoring goals for them um, to keep them up in and around it. And you have to say their best years, he's been playing, you know, finishing second, mm. Champions League, everything. So for him to break the record and be able to go to United, maybe 
win a title at United because let's face it, United are on the United are coming up on the rails, bro. They're not mm-hmm. a million miles away from what's going on right now. You know, Arsenal and City. Um, you know, okay, we saw them both lose this this weekend. A couple more of those, and United in their form. Nick, a couple. Of, it's it's on. They're in yeah, it. Yeah. It's 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 on. So we're talking about a team that's not a million miles away from if they did get something like Harry Kane. You know, it's he's going to blast them into that place. Wonder if Man City could have a do over whether they just sign Harry Kane after all and not Holland. Well, you know? well, well, there should be like the the equivalent of Gwyneth Paltrow and sliding doors, but <laughs> yeah. Harry Kane going through. We'll just do it on a stadio. What if? It'll do be a what if on a stadio? Yeah, man. there you go. See what would have happened to Erling Haaland. You know what it'll be? It'll be three straight Champions League, and somehow Mourinho will catch strays. Yeah, <laughs> it's like when you flick through those books. Those little choose your own adventure <laughs> football books. No matter where you end up, there's always Mourinho at the last page. You yeah. can't help it. <laughs> it's like people saying about Haaland, like Haaland, is it the right club for him? Mm. You know, when you buy Haaland, you make the team, you, you yeah. make the team yeah, tick yeah. to his fucking, his rhythm, man. You, that's what's not happening yeah. at the moment. And he's scored 31 goals this season, 25 in the Premier not. League. It's you know what I mean? Because when you look at the amount of times, like we showed some clips today of him running onto stuff and scoring. Like, you know, in his stride, it was just like beautiful, majestic. And then we saw obviously some in the box when they were crossing it in the box. And then you watch some of the stuff where they're struggling to actually get it through to him. You know, Maris gets it. He doesn't get across and go down and lay it back and someone crosses it now. It's, they're doing it from deeper. So they're not even getting to that level of the pitch. Same with Jack Greedish. You get the ball cut inside. You know, Erlen Haaland wants to run onto things. He cuts inside. He's facing up. You think to yourself, they're not actually playing to his strengths. He's got 31 goals. Yeah, he's, still, he's still really good. You know? And, and it takes they're a, not scoring big, goals from other places. And That's he's the gonna, problem. He's going to thrive in the National League. It's fine. Can't wait to see him Oh, my God. Uh, so let's, let's go back to Harry. We, are we giving him... We're obviously giving him flowers, Yeah, right? yeah to be honest, yeah. Always. On his own. Flowers on his own. I know recently we've been giving flowers and we've been ta- just like throwing a couple of other people yeah, in. I think we've got to stop. We've got to give the give someone flowers and that's it for this episode Harry Kane's flowers no one's I'm not bolting anyone on you know what I mean this man deserves his flowers I th- I genuinely think that people us especially in England I think we maybe take Harry Kane a little bit for granted maybe frankly. and I wonder if that's got something to do with him and I'm, I'm not saying it disrespectfully the Tottenham because if he was doing the same thing for a Man United or a Man City or a Liverpool, he'd be probably getting a little bit more worldwide respect from, from people and fans, mm. I think. There's certain people, if you say, yeah, Harry Kane's world class, they'll say, come on. And you say, well, mm. well why not? Why, why mm. isn't he? Scores at every level. Unbelievable yeah, yeah, finisher. Yeah. And you know, even, like, even you say number nine, he's, he's like, for me, he's like a, a, a quicker Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham was one of the best in respects of architects, man. Like the way he, he, his touch and everything, yeah. how he can build, how the ball comes into him. He's got, he hasn't got the same style as what Teddy had because obviously he's quicker in that, but the way he can drop off and pick a pass, whether it's a one-touch slide rule pass, whether it's a 25-yard screaming pass, talking about a hybrid of a centre-forward with the clinical ability of, ooh, Ronaldo, mm. you know, in respect mm. of out-and-out goal scorer, heading, yeah. finishing, left foot, right foot, whatever you want. However you want to finish it. And for me, still, if, I, if somebody's going to take a penalty, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, one he's, of my, he's my guy. 
He's a world class striker that doesn't get he doesn't get that that love. He doesn't get that critical acclaim that he should. And I don't know why that is because even you say that to some people now, he's world class. They say really easy. Well, he ain't done this. He ain't what ain't he done? He's not won stuff, but he's fuck on the highest level, right? He's done it. Hurricane flowers. Just hurricane. Just hurricane. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. I got to mention um, my guy Jesse Marsh. Unlucky Jesse. You know what? Go on. I was I was surprised because the news broke at what like three, mm. and I personally think it is an, a very risky decision from Leeds, only because they've literally just had the window right. They've brought in more players that he wanted. Some you know that that will live beyond his tenure but he this is a team recruited for him I think he's right in saying that specifically on Sunday's performance and a lot of their other performances the performances have been good the team they're bleeding. I think they're we're bleeding still flow. we're still playing for him yeah and someone I think has to stop you the turn, bleeding you turn the goal scoring situation around and that is beyond him that is form of his strikers and I think mm. you survive with ease no. I think the I think the frustrating thing is I don't know who could transform the efficiency the confidence and the form of the goal scorers in that side because I don't know if a new manager can do that alone with with Jesse Flo I just think that and I wouldn't I would hate to be an owner and be in that position because you can see his heart's obviously in the right place he's, he's ready he's ready to go come on let's do this but like the thing is is that they have a ticking clock, a ticking clock. Leeds cannot afford to come out of this league. And they believe, they have to have believed, that with him, they're not, their luck's not going to change or whatever. I it understand with the like players. It just feels like too late. If they, if they, if they were going to do this, should have done it in the summer or they should have done it right before the, the you know, at, before, the, before the window closed, when the World Cup went on break like other teams did. Now it seems like the worst of both worlds because... It's not like Everton, Sean Dyche going into Everton where it's a complete re rebuild because you've got nothing to work with. There's already a mishmash of Marsh's foundations, which actually aren't that terrible, but a team that is just 
quite low on confidence and not firing and when they need to. That's why I think that it's a different kind of rebuild that you can't necessarily solve with a new coach. And it just feels like actually it's more risk than reward in this situation because why now? We're nearly, we're matter. heading into the it, near end of Feb. Yeah, but it don't flow. When you're those guys and you're seeing the numbers um, and you're seeing like another performance, this is a great performance, but a loss and no points, you're, shit, you're starting to, you're starting to cack yourself. It feels, it feels like it's been that slide for a while. Yeah. Right, where just this, That's just, the thing. Just like They've real, not like... been that great for ages. Mm. So, and, but it's so, it's so, it's so tight. It's so tight down there. Right. Right. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. The, it's like the whole bottom half are, are potentially at risk. So you just need to string mm. a very, very short run together. And I can understand the risk factor and needing a result. It just, for me, it's like, well, if Leeds want to get rid of him, then basically any of those coaches in and around are potentially at risk. Uh, We're going to talk about Nathan Jones, but like that is, that that, that is such a tight, tightly nicked knit pack that everyone's kind of being a bit shit right now. And I wouldn't say leads are outliers in Mm. that. No, but I think if you look at how like Forrest have got out of all of a sudden, like they just got out of it. Right. And I know that Forrest have signed a huge amount of players this year, but I think Leeds's problem was that they never quite kept it boring enough. You know what I mean? Yes. Every yes. single game felt like a massive, like a massive, a massive ordeal. Really. Do you think that's the manager's vibe, the manager's energy as well, right? He is quite an emotional coach and that's fine. I don't really have anything against that, but I feel, I feel that it seemed to be a little bit too, a little bit too kind of runaway, you know, like the whole thing. It was very scatter, scat, scatty and just like chaotic. Because of Bielsa and Bielsa ball and chaos football, organised chaos football with that energy. And then because he's come from, obviously, Red Bulls in New York and then Salzburg, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's all about energy, pace. I think they thought that that's the manager they needed to come in after Bielsa to try and see if they can recapture what they probably saw in the championship and a little bit in the Premier League. Whereas I think that this group now coming off of Bielsa and they needed something else. They needed more Unai Emery vibes. Someone that's going to yeah, come. Yeah, I get what you mean. You understand what I'm sure. saying? I think that yeah, it, yeah. everything needs to just like, well, listen, man, let's just simmer down, man. Let's just yeah. like, bam, stabilize and build something concrete. And then, you know, from the back, for me, I build them from the back, make them hard to beat. And then you have to try and get them scoring goals. That's one of, the, that's one of their main problems. You know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of teams' problems. But I think that that's the kind of manager they need to be looking for now. They don't need the rock and roll football, yeah, you know, all the page, and they need to calm it down for me, get some stability yeah. quick in, in there quickly. I, I also think that I feel a little bit of sympathy with Jesse Marsh because I feel like he was kind of on the back foot from, from, from the get-go because there were a lot of, like... Negativity. There was and a lot of there was a lot of patronizing. There was a lot of like there was a lot of kind of like oh you're American coach in the, yeah. in, in, the, in the in the Premier League and all this kind of shit. And just people people just being a bit. Like, I remember he he kind of um kind of bit back in one press conference, and I was just like, actually, do you know what? Like, yeah, nice fair one. fucks. Fucking, like, yeah. you know, he's a serious football coach. Like, and it's I, th- I I kind of don't really. I know sometimes it's a bit it's just banter, but sometimes it gets a little bit gnarly with this whole just like Americans in the Premier League yeah. and. and that's um, why I wanted him to do well, right? Yeah, me too. I, I wanted, like, him I really to wanted well. him to do well. Yeah. I really, really did. And I think it's a shame that he's, I mean, I, 
to be honest, I, I'm surprised that he was the one out of the bottom five or whatever that yeah. got fired this weekend. Yeah. Um, we'll yeah. talk about Nathan, uh, Nathan Jones in a bit, but... But this is why Forrest, Forrest, it was such a great thing. Remember when they had that, that spell where the, the players were coming, they, they, win they weren't game. winning. And, yeah. then, and then instead of, and then they signed, gave him a new contract, right? That's the, yeah. that, and then look what's happened. It's turned around. But the thing is, I just, I just think that's, the, the gap that Forrest have is they have a six point gap, right? And the mm. way that they're playing, when I watch them, I don't believe they're a team that looks secure to me because Jesse Marsh is right to say in his in his post-match press conference yesterday that Forrest had one chance and they scored Well, that's it, all really. it fucking takes, Flo. And that's all, yeah, but that's all it takes. But that would say to me as a, uh, as, you know, as, as the Forrest manager and as a Forrest fan, mm. like we are kind of living on the edge here by the skin of our teeth. And it's been similar in a lot of other games where they've created hardly anything. Yeah but have got results, haven't got results, right? And I, that's why I think if I was looking at it from a football point of view and what you're building, and I know it's all about survival here, I would still put my money on Leeds to survive over Forest because I feel like the wheels will, cu- will come off on the lucky, on a lucky streak that Forest are on, no. whereas Leeds' luck will turn. Forest have found a way to win 1-0 and have mm. maybe one shot. And, you know, I think I've seen them do it twice already. They've got stats six points. That's what matters at the minute. Like the thing is, is if they could, if Leeds could have been able to do that a couple of times and they're quite easy to get through, I found, Leeds. It's, it's, it's almost like they've paid no attention yeah. to what's going to happen after we do this though. It's just like, they're very easy to get through and I think they've been very lucky in games as well. Whereas they've been very unfortunate not to get some goals, they've been very lucky, they've been very lucky not to concede a lot more. But like you look at Forrest, he knows what he has to do. He's, he, hmm. he obviously does, he's not bothered how many shots or chances. He just wants to know that if they can get one good one and someone like Brennan Johnson takes it, they're going to defend for their lives and that is how he survived. You know, I don't know if, unfortunately for someone like Jesse, is that because he gets all this shit, if he's trying to prove anything to anybody that he is a good coach instead of, you know, you know, people giving him stick and him trying to prove them wrong. Just fucking do your stuff, man. And let, you know, let your coaching ability do that. I mean, he's going to get the US me- uh, men's national team job anyway, so it doesn't matter. He'll be fine. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I don't know. I sure, like... He wants, he's, he's, he, can I be totally honest? I look at Jesse Marsh and Bradley talks very highly of him. He loves him. I get the impression that he, he's a day-to-day. He needs to be amongst it. He loves it. You can see that. His enthusiasm, you know, and his energy. He loves it. Mm. It means a lot to him. And I think that he's more of a, a day-to-day football manager than an international manager. I genuinely do. It's going to be really interesting to see where he goes. Yeah. I feel Super for him. Interesting. And who leads get in? Yeah. But um, yeah, like I said, I was surprised that he, uh, he was the one who got fired this weekend because I thought it would thinking? have been... Mr. Jonesy. We mentioned a little bit about him on Stadio today. Mm. And uh, you mentioned, you had a bit of a chat about him on Match of the Day, yeah. right? Yeah. He came out with this kind of comment after the game in the in the post match interview after Southampton's defeat on the weekend, um, and then again in the in the press conference where he kind of lent into this like, in my Luton days I was topping the XG charts around Europe and we were progressing and I don't know I think personally he hasn't shown a huge amount of humility in those. No, comments. he hasn't. And I will tell you what else is right when you listen to him. The way he was saying about his stats and what the player's done at the level, what he was, he was coaching them at and how mm. successful he knows what success is. 
it kind of felt to me, and this is why I said throwing people under the bus and people saying, right, did he really throw anyone under the bus? Yeah, he did. And even Romeo Lavia, he threw him under the bus saying, saying, well, people saying he played well. I don't know what game they were watching. The thing with it is, is that when you, you hear him talking about, oh, these Premier League players and, you know what I mean, you're thinking this of them. He was almost saying he had players that of a lower standard that were doing the stuff that he wants to do. But mm. then, on the other hand, he's saying, you know, I've been listening to people talking about the Premier League players and pandering to people and now I'm going to yeah. do it my way. It was so, you know what, it was, almost, it was cringy. And my, my first reaction, because they said, do you want to see it in the day? And I said, no, nah, I'll watch it tonight. Because um, Colm, the guy, I think it was Colm, um, our, our, our producer, said, I said, no, nah, I'll watch it tonight so as I can have a natural reaction to it. Simply because I wanted to hear it live in the flesh, what he said. And it just sounded to me like somebody's just reaching, he's clutching at straws. And mm -hmm. it was sad to see because you get the opportunity to come into the Premier League. You can't be using other people as the excuse why you're not doing it when you are in charge. That's your job. And you're not going to get many opportunities at this. And the way he's acted leading up to this point and the way he's talking at the moment, if they do get rid of him, he's somebody that I'd be very wary of, of, of taking on simply because of the way he reacts when it's not going well. You know, he's looking to point his finger at everybody else apart from himself. And he's the one who's in the job and he's talking about listening to people and pandering to people. You know, that sounds like somebody to me that's, you know, he's, 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 that's not good talk. That's not, that's not good talk. It's interesting what you say, Ryan, because as someone who's had personal dealings with him, as well as, you know, watched his teams in the championship, either at Stoke or at Luton, none of this is a surprise because he is always a manager who has put his ego above everything. And I think we are seeing it play out in, in the most prime example with those comments on Match the Day and the comments to the World Feed and the comments in the post-match press conference table as well. Like he repeated it, he led into it. and no point did he say, oh, I was, you know, um, it was an emotional outburst. This is his genuine belief here. Mm. And I think he is someone who has always leads with ego. And when he feels threatened, this is his natural reaction. And we all know people like that in our day-to-day -day lives who, mm. you know, ego is everything. And when they do feel like I'm being exposed here, mm. I'm maybe being found out or I feel under pressure, I feel threatened, they resort to this defense mechanism. And that is very much his style. And we're seeing that now with the way that he's being criticized and being under pressure. And the highs with him are so high and the extremes are so extreme. And when it's not going well, he gets into this crazy defensive persona of like, oh, you know, um, I can't work me. with these me people. The yeah, not. me against the world. And I was surprised to see that he did take training today. And it seemed like there was lots of news stirring, like you say, mm -hmm. Ryan, over the weekend that he was going to go. But you feel like if you were in that dressing room, I don't know how he brings it back. And he spent so long rebuilding his reputation and going back to Luton after the whole fiasco with Stoke. Build, rebuilding the rep reputation and and he he left Luton again to take this opportunity and it feels like the natural outcome is just going to be him returning back to Luton going back reset again and, and having that relationship again because I think he's a fine coach he's fine he, he builds teams that work hard and he works on very low budgets but that does not make a great Premier League coach and I don't see him being able to work with young quality technical players not just hard grafters from the EFL. It's a very different task. I have to admit, like I've not watched as much of his teams as, as you both have before. But I think the thing that struck me this weekend in particular was that it was Sean Dyche's first game as Everton manager. 
And he said something after the game, which I thought was really, really cool. And that was, he said, you know, a few of them said that they felt like they let the previous manager and mm. his staff down. He didn't come in and do this whole like, I'm the fucking Don, Frank couldn't hack it. Look at us, we just beat Arsenal. Mm-hmm. It's dice time. You know what I mean? Nothing like that. It was just really kind of humble. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on Nathan Jones' stuff like personally because I don't know the guy, but I just felt like, you know, when you just see a comment from a manager and you're a bit like, if that was a manager of the team that I supported, I would, I wouldn't, feel like there was a massive connection there you know he's lost the fans mm, he's, he's probably yeah. lost a lot of the dressing room yeah. and I think that the wisdom like you say Ryan the wisdom to have the the emotional intelligence to think right this isn't about me in this moment this is about my team and trying to survive in this league mm. and that's the approach that Sean Dyke made which is I need to just build these guys' confidence mm. up. I need to make them feel yeah. good and to make everyone feel good, not to make everyone feel like failures. But yeah. I think when you lose sight of that overall vision and you just focus on yourself, then everything's going to crumble down on you. But I hope Southampton figure it out because mm. I, it, you know, they've had some great coaches and played some unbelievable football since they came back up into the Premier League. And it'd be a real shame to yeah. see them go down again. Mm. But um, fingers crossed for them. Fingers crossed for them. You were both at the West Ham West Arsenal Ham game yeah. on Sunday. Mm. How cold yeah. was it? In, in it's, Dagenham, it's it was pretty cold. I saw it's your Adidas cold. Terex jacket, man. Uh, Terex. It's nice coat. It's a nice it's coat. Very man. nice coat. I didn't even have the... T- There's another bit of that coat that goes over the top that's even more terex Wow. <laughs> wow. Didn't even wear wow. it. <laughs> didn't even wear it. Was that because you just you wanted... You know what I need? I just need my... It's too hot. He was sweating in you that. You know what? I need my legs because I need it to go down Arsene Wenger style really long so it covers my knees because when you're sitting on the chairs, it gets really cold. Idavel's got a long one, actually. That's a very He's long like one. nearly to his ankles. Yeah. But like... Um, so go on. So you were both there. Yeah. Nil-nil, yeah. Arsenal. Not their best, eh? I was disappointed to see Katie McCabe not starting. I'm going to be totally honest. You know, I think Hertig, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on. Why she's not starting. Why um, Laura Weinrott is not starting. I don't know. Is he being too clever? I don't know what he's trying to do, but like put the strong team out, confident team, you know, and let's, let's, let's have a go at them. But like we had nothing at all on that left side. Nothing came and the, there. And the West Ham right back, Shimizu, was there for the taking. She was so there for she the taking. She was struggling. Man. And I thought oh. when McCabe, he didn't start McCabe, fine, for whatever reason. And Hertig was getting a little bit of luck down that left-hand side, but thought, okay, as soon as McCabe comes on, this game is flipping. That was about maybe 15 minutes to go. And still, Arsenal just, they just didn't have that final little bit of anything. They could have finished that game. If, if Kate McCabe started that game on, a natural, on the left side, dude, we, we, we'd cause so many problems down there. Same with Laura Weinrock. I don't know why she's not starting as well. Just to go at them. If you're keeping Katie McCabe out of the team, you've got to be bringing something. You know, everybody knows how much I love Kate McCabe as a, as a player and what she's about. You've got to bring something. Unfortunately for her, she did not do anything. You know, I feel for Stina because almost like, I really feel for Stina. I really wanted to. I really wanted her to score because everything what went on as well, Flo, with the ride with um, Alessia Russo stuff. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you don't know how that's how that's affecting her. And you know what? Watching her finish, watching her go through, she's thinking about it. 
Yeah, it was that one big chance. Yeah, had, wasn't it? I don't yeah. know what Ian thought, but I thought it lurked in the air yesterday. And you know, the West Ham fans around me were kind of making jokes when she missed chances, being like, "Oh, you're not Leslie Russo," yeah. like stuff like that. And it's going to linger. And I think you know, Jilly spoke about it really well on on our pod today, actually saying, you know, what 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 Jonas Adevel really should have done in the week is instead of coming out and denying that a player was ever offered up as a deal, is actually say publicly. I back my number nine. This is the player we have for the rest of the season. And this is who we're going to go with. But it's been really radio yeah, silence in relation to Yeah, but if, he, said that after, yeah, but Flo, if he says that afterwards, after, because remember that the deal was starting to get to a place where they're going into some serious monies. But Ian, what I'm saying is, is that right now what's done is done. That deal didn't happen, right? That, that There's nothing they can do. The window's closed. You have to work with the players you've got. And that woman is like her confidence is shot. She's seen in the in the media what was going on in terms of reports about uh, her being offered up, and that would make you feel like you're not one of this club, and they don't think you're good enough. So he needs to be a leader and do his part of his role as the head coach, which is privately maybe that's already happened, but publicly make a statement and say, I still believe we have what it takes in this squad. Whereas right now everyone is just seeing it on the pitch and everywhere else. Well that they don't have what it well, takes. Well, if she, if, she, if she did know, she would have known very, very late. And I don't know what that's going to do to her fucking confidence. Because I'm watching her and I'm thinking, please score, please score. And you could see, like, Sissoko, she was, she was very good against her. Um, but I, Stina made some good moves. But when it came down to the, to the finishing, I could see she's thinking about it. I mean, it's a very, very fucking dangerous horrible. game to play from a club point of view when you throw a deal, uh, throw a player into a deal in the last minute. If you're not 100% sure that that deal is going to go over the line, that is so dangerous because that's your only number nine yes. for the rest of the season. If Manchester United had rejected that amount of money, they're not going to accept that amount of money plus a player. They're just not, mm. I don't think, really, at that late of the yeah. day. What, what like, I think that the, the, the player is going to turn the deal but I also think from looking at the looking at the aftermath of that, right? And I think the, there's been a running theme throughout a lot of what we talked about on the, on this show right now is that football management is more about is is about more than just coaching, right? Mm. It's about how you manage players and how you manage people at the end of the day. And I think that's the disconnect I'm seeing right now with Jonas Adebayor and his team mm. is he's not managing these players like people. There is a huge disconnect because if if that happens, you've got to solve. You've got to solve it rather than doing a press conference and saying that it never happened yeah. and trying to erase Lie. it. Like, don't do that. That, that that's not going to help no. the situation. It's the same with whatever is going on with Kate McCabe right now. Is you've got to see these players as people, and as well as trying to figure out what's going wrong on the pitch and you know trying to get all the pieces of the puzzle and whatever and problem solve. It's about see. It's about giving these players confidence. I, yeah. And Arsenal was so low on I'm confidence not, at the moment. Let me tell you, watching. Watching the girls come off as well, because I'm a massive, I'm a massive believer in the vibe when they're coming off, how, how they react to the boss when he shake, tries to shake hands and that. And I can't remember any of those subs, even going back to when Viv was not playing so well before she was injured and stuff. I don't see anyone come off and give him the kind of cheers boss vibe. It's just like, get out of my way, bro. Get out of my way. I'm, 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 I'm really worried about the, um, the mentality of our Arsenal squad at the moment and how happy they are as a group. That worries me um, when I look at them and watch them playing and watching little things like that. I'm worried for that group um, under 
under Jonas at the moment. And I just hope that something can change quickly because that was a chance yesterday, especially with Man United drawing as well. There's a massive, massive chance. And it just feels like, for me, he, he didn't choose the right team for what we needed to beat them. I think he's in a he's in an interesting place as well. Looking at um, the the quotes that he said oh. post match, so we did a little did a little huddle. Obviously, done he'd done TV, he'd done radio. We did a little huddle. I think there were um, it was me, Tim Stillman, and a couple of other writers. And I asked him specifically about the league games, right, mm. where Arsenal have struggled to score recently. Chelsea. They should have been home and dry in that game, end up drawing 1-1 and letting Sam Kerr equalise. And on Sunday night as well, 21 shots, nine on target. They should have won that game, Mm, right? They had West Ham absolutely under the cosh. Mm. He proceeded to go on talk about the fact that Arsenal had scored nine goals against Leeds United, a fourth Mm. tier team, three goals against Aston Villa in in the League Cup Mm. and nine goals against Zurich, who, you know, aren't even, I don't think, even think fully professional, right? So I think... There's a real disconnect, I think, perhaps about what he perceives as the issues or what others perceive in the media as the issues and the reality right now, which is like, if you don't score in these games, that's it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, he, he was saying people might focus on the on the results, but for me, I always focus on the performance. But unfortunately, in the WSL, that doesn't matter. It's all about the results. You need to win those games. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know who performed okay? Who? Lauren James. Whoa. See a goal. That goal, from the, the angle from behind the goal. Whoa. I need her to do a couple more bits like that because I remember when I started doing the Barclays um, Player of the Month, Women's Player of the Month, and I remember obviously like just on Instagram, we kind of like having chat blah, 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 to and fro. And then she said, Where, where's mine? When am I going to do mine? I said, hey, when you start doing your stuff, I'll be there. Don't worry about that. So I'm desperate for her to do it. So as I said, did I tell you? When you start doing your stuff, I'll be there. So um, at the moment, I, t- I saw something on Instagram the other day where Reese James was saying about how great she is and how great she's going to be. And I just had to, I just sent, sent like a little comment just saying, no lies told. Because <laughs> it's all up to her. You know, one of those players, like how we say, speak about a Jude Bellingham, it's totally up to him. With Lauren James, it's totally up to her. There's no limit with these two. And there's definitely, there's no limit with her. Can I just say, I, I think Emma Hayes deserves a lot of credit here. Because, the way she's managed that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This reminds me of like Pep and Phil Foden. Vibe. Wow. You know I mean, just, I just it's like bring her up the level, get her around the kind of group. And when she's ready, she's ready. And if you think about it, like Emma Hayes is an elite tactical mind, but mm. also just like on a human level, yeah, she really understands her players more than like, I don't know, 90% of and coaches And cares about them as well. And really does care mm. about them. I think you've, you, you see so few players, like the only player I can compare Lauren James to in terms of that natural ease and ability, like watching them live is Ibirieze. She has yeah, that, beautiful the way they move. that languid way of playing football where, they someone just never looks like it's difficult for them they never really get out of third gear they just breeze through things they breeze through the game and and it's obviously you know emma's challenge will be constantly pushing her to strive Mm. and get better and better and better but right now it's like 
it does feel like the sky's the limit because she's doing everything with such ease. And you so rarely see that in football across the men's and women's game because it is unique to have that ability to look so comfortable on the ball and to play like the ball is literally glued to your feet. And that's why right now, I mean, especially for England this summer at the World Cup, I can't she, wait. She could be the and star. It just, she could yeah, be, she it could just be feels like every single time she's on the ball, you feel like something amazing is going to happen. And there are, there are so few players like that yeah. in the world game that literally get you off your chair like Lauren James. You know, though. now you said that as well. Now you, you, I'm starting to think about Eberichi Eze because if if the penny drops with him, like it seems to have dropped with Lauren James, then we, we're talking about another one that's, you know, Jesus, the way he plays. You know, you can imagine that there would have been coaches when he was younger who would have been maybe pulling their hair out because they can't understand that that's his style. He plays with a, very calm demeanor. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's not like, the, the most I've seen in passion is when he scored a goal not long ago and jumped up and showed a lot of passion. But other than that, he plays the game in the, his face, his face expression never changes. It's very easy, you know? And so I'm just hoping that under Patrick or whatever, he can start finding, because I think that before he got the injury, he was getting touted. He was, they were talking about him for England. and. I just think I was so disappointed he didn't get to go because I think when you go to England, what I found was depending on the character you are, you go somewhere else. When you come back and train with those guys, you're somewhere else because I remember Jermaine Gina saying, you know, when he went to England, the level was so good and it was so high. And it was, he says when he went back to Newcastle and I think they, they, they took umbrage against what he said, his levels dropped. And I said, well, that's really strange for me because when I went to England and came back to Palace, my levels went up and it was noticeable in my first few training sessions because everyone is so good, it actually makes you realise that's how they're training on a daily basis. That's what I've got to do to stay at that level so as I could be back at this, in this squad because if you're not thinking like that, you're not going to kick on. That's why sometimes, Rai, um, Flo, when you say, bring him into the squad, bring... Bring someone into the squad. Let me see, let's see how they react. See how they react to the players. See how they react to being with better players. You know, when they see it, like, you go and you, you start training with Skulls and Beckham. You know what I mean? And all those guys, when I first, like, like I was training with, like, Robson and Barnes and Waddle. And Pla all those great players, something happens to you because you're seeing people who are the kind of born to do it. You, you, it comes so easy to them. And when you go to England, that's why I want to say, just get, throw him in, throw Jared Bowen in. Let's see what Jared Bowen does when he comes away from being in that um, level so you can see what they're capable of doing. That's what I want for, uh, for Eze. And that's why I'm so pleased that they've been so patient with Lauren James. And again, you're right, Ryan, but I'm not giving any more flowers on this episode. I'm going to give... No, no, no. no. But uh, the way she's been managed up to this point, you cannot imagine the team without her in it now. And that is the levels. That's what, that's what Eze needs to do. You cannot imagine the team with him, with him not being in it. And that's what Lauren James has done. And she, I've watched, she, oh, she could have got flowers as well, but not in this episode. So. <laughs> no, there, there'll be plenty of chances. There'll be plenty of chances. Hey, so it's like, it's like you write it. What? Like you just can't imagine this team without you in it. Honestly, I can't imagine can't this imagine. team without, without <laughs> chaos flow. Can't do it. It's really weird because I was so excited to see Flo. She was doing a re reporter journalist. Like, I'm sitting here 
with that desk in front of me and my computer up. I was stuck. I oh. couldn't move. There was and like I was three waving. people on the side and you know of when me. You, it's, like, it's like when you see your big brother at school and he doesn't want us to wave to you because he's too cool over there. Hey, so stop no. It, stop it. No, I'm Ruth, working. That is oh, lies. I said, Ryan, look, Flo waved to me like, I'm coming. Just go here a second. No. Lies. Flo didn't. Flo doesn't like. Sorry, she doesn't man. like me anymore. Okay, right, you're getting the hook. Getting the hook because no one <laughs> It's time to it's time to say goodbye. I'm going to have my supper. Oh, eating late. So, Flo, I love you. Ryan, I love you. I see you soon, you, man. You're always you welcome. Soon, man. You're always welcome in my house. Oh, unless we're watching scary. Unless movies. you're watching scary films, you won't. No scary films unless we're watching them in the day. Kicked out. Oh my gosh. See you, man. See you later, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, Ryan Hun. Thank you very much, the wonderful Flo Lloyd Hughes. She blanked me. See you Friday, everybody. Um, looking forward to Friday. I'm quite enjoying the Fridays as well. But like, what a good week this was of football. Really good week. Looking forward to next week. Should be good. See you Friday, guys. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.